The Second Sestiad of Hero and Leander by Christopher Marlowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. The Second Sestiad. By this sad hero, with love unacquainted, viewing Leander's face, fell down and fainted. He kissed her and breathed life into her lips, wherewith, as one displeased, away she trips. Yet as she went, full often looked behind and many poor excuses did she find to linger by the way and once she stayed and would have turned again but was afraid in offering parley to be counted light so on she goes and in her idle flight her painted fan of curled plumes let fall thinking to train leander therewithal he being a novice knew not what she meant but stayed and after her a letter sent which joyful hero answered in such sort as he had hoped to scale the beauteous fort wherein the liberal graces locked their wealth and therefore to her tower he got by stealth wide open stood the door he need not climb and she herself before the pointed time had spread the board with roses strode the room and oft looked out and mused he did not come at last he came oh who can tell the greeting these greedy lovers had at their first meeting he asked, she gave, and nothing was denied. Both to each other quickly were affied. Look how their hands, so were their hearts united, and what he did she willingly requited. Sweet are the kisses, the embracements sweet, when like desires and affections meet. For from the earth to heaven is Cupid raised, where fancy is in equal balance paced. Yet she this rashness suddenly repented, and turned aside, and to herself lamented, as if her name and honor had been wronged by being possessed of him for whom she longed. Ay, and she wished, albeit not from her heart, that he would leave her turret and depart. The mirthful god of amorous pleasure smiled to see how he this captive nymph beguiled, for hitherto he did but fan the fire, and kept it down that it might mount the higher. Now waxed she jealous, lest his love abated, fearing her own thoughts made her to be hated. Therefore unto him hastily she goes, and light like Salmasus, her body throws upon his bosom, where with yielding eyes she offers up herself a sacrifice to slake his anger if he were displeased. Oh, what god would not therewith be appeased? Like Aesop's cock this jewel he enjoyed, and as a brother with his sister toyed, supposing nothing else was to be done now he her favor and good will had won. But know you not that creatures wanting sense by nature have a mutual appetence, and wanting organs to advance a step, moved by love's force, unto each other lep? Much more in subjects having intellect some hidden influence breeds like effect. Albeit Leander, Rude in love and raw, long dallying with hero, nothing saw that might delight him more, yet he suspected some amorous rites or other were neglected. Therefore unto his body hers he clung, she, fearing on the rushes to be flung, strived with redoubled strength. The more she strived, the more a gentle pleasing heat revived, which taught him all that elder lovers know. And now the same gan so to scorch and glow as in plain terms yet cunningly he craved it love always makes those eloquent that have it she with a kind of granting put him by it and ever as he thought himself most nigh it 
like to the tree of Tantalus, she fled, and seeming lavish, saved her maidenhead. Ne'er king more sought to keep his diadem than hero this inestimable gem. Above our life we love a steadfast friend, yet when a token of great worth we send, we often kiss it, often look thereon, and stay the messenger that would be gone. No marvel then, though Hero would not yield so soon, depart from that she dearly held. Jewels being lost are found again, this never. Tis lost but once, and once lost, lost for ever. Now had the morn espied her lover's steeds, whereat she starts, pulls on her purple weeds, and red for anger that he stayed so long, all headlong throws herself the clouds among. And now Leander, fearing to be missed, embraced her suddenly, took leave, and kissed. Long was he taking leave, and loath to go, and kissed again as lovers used to do. Sad hero wrung him by the hand, and wept, saying, Let your vows and promises be kept. Then standing at the door she turned about, as loath to see Leander going out. And now the sun, that through the rise and peeps, as pitying these lovers, downward creeps so that in silence of the cloudy night, though it was morning, did he take his flight. But what the secret trusty night concealed, Leander's amorous habit soon revealed. With Cupid's myrtle was his bonnet crowned, about his arms the purple ribbon wound, wherewith she wreathed her largely spreading hair. Nor could the youth abstain, but he must wear the sacred ring wherewith she was endowed when first religious chastity she vowed which made his love through Cestus to be known, and thence unto Abida sooner blown than he could sail. For incorporeal fame, whose weight consists in nothing but her name, is swifter than the wind, whose tardy plumes are reeking water and dull earthly fumes. Home when he came, he seemed not to be there, but, like exiled air thrust from his fear, set in a foreign place. And straight from thence, Alcides like, by mighty violence, he would have chased away the swelling mane that him from her unjustly did detain. Like as the sun in a diameter fires and it flames objects removed far, and heateth kindly shining laterally, so beauty sweetly quickens when tis nigh, but being separated and removed, burns where it cherished, murders where it loved. Therefore, even as an index to a book, so to his mind was young Leander's look. Oh, none but gods have power their love to hide. Affection by the countenance is descried. The light of hidden fire itself discovers, and love that is concealed betrays poor lovers. His secret flame apparently was seen. Leander's father knew where he had been, and for the same mildly rebuked his son, thinking to quench the sparkles new begun. But love resisted once grows passionate, and nothing more than counsel lovers hate. For as a hot, proud horse highly disdains to have his head controlled, but breaks the reins, spits forth the wrinkled bit, and with his hooves checks the submissive ground, so he that loves, the more he is restrained, the worse he fares. What is it now but mad Leander dares? O oh, hero, hero, thus he cried full oft, and then he got him to a rock aloft, where having spied her tower, long stared he on't, and prayed the narrow toiling Hellespont to part in twain, that he might come and go. But still the rising billows answered no. With that 
He stripped him to the ivory skin, and crying, Love, I come, leapt lively in. Whereat the sapphire-visaged god grew proud, and made his capering triton sound aloud, imagining that Ganymede, displeased, had left the heavens. Therefore on him he seized. Leander strived, the waves about him wound, and pulled him to the bottom, where the ground was strewed with pearl, and in low coral groves sweet-singing mermaids sported with their loves on heaps of heavy gold, and took great pleasure to spurn in careless sort the shipwrecked treasure. For here the stately azure palace stood, where kingly Neptune and his train abode. The lusty god embraced him, called him love, and swore he never should return to Jove. But when he knew it was not Ganymede, for under water he was almost dead, he heaved him up, and looking on his face, beat down the bold waves with his triple mace, which mounted up, intending to have kissed him, and fell in drops like tears because they missed him. Leander, being up, began to swim, and looking back saw Neptune follow him, whereat aghast the poor soul gan to cry, Oh, let me visit Hero ere I die. The god put Helly's bracelet on his arm, and swore the sea should never do him harm. He clapped his plump cheeks with his tresses played, and smiling wantonly his love berayed. He watched his arms, and as they opened wide, at every stroke betwixt them would he slide and steal a kiss, and then run out and dance, and as he turned, cast many a lustful glance, and threw him gaudy toys to please his eye, and dive into the water, and there pry upon his breast, his thighs, and every limb, and up again, and close beside him swim, and talk of love. Leander made reply, You are deceived. I am no woman, I. Thereat smiled Neptune and then told a tale how that a shepherd, sitting in a vale, played with a boy so fair and kind, as for his love both earth and heaven pined, that of the cooling river durst not drink, lest water-nymphs should pull him from the brink. And when he sported in the fragrant lawns, goat-footed satyrs and upstaring fawns would steal him thence. Ere half this tale was done, I me, Leander cried, the enamoured sun that now should shine on Thetis' glassy bower descends upon my radiant hero's tower. Oh, that these tardy arms of mine were wings! And as he spake upon the waves he springs. Neptune was angry that he gave no ear, and in his heart revenging malice bare. He flung at him his mace, but as it went he called it in, for love made him repent. The mace, returning back, his own hand hit as meaning to be avenged for darting it. When this fresh bleeding wound Leander viewed, his color went and came, as if he rued the grief which Neptune felt. In gentle breasts, relenting thoughts, remorse and pity rests. And who have hard hearts and obdurate minds, but vicious, hair-brained and illiterate hinds? The gods, seeing him with pity to be moved, thereon concluded that he was beloved. Love is too full of faith, too credulous, with folly and false hope deluding us, wherefore leander's fancy to surprise to the rich ocean for gifts he flies tis wisdom to give much a gift prevails when deep persuading oratory fails by this leander being near the land cast down his weary feet and felt the sand breathless albeit he were he rested not till to the solitary tower he got and knocked and called 
at which celestial noise the longing heart of hero much more joys than nymphs and shepherds when the timbrel rings or crooked dolphin when the sailor sings she stayed not for her robes but straight arose and drunk with gladness to the door she goes where seeing a naked man she screeched for fear such sights as this to tender maids are rare and ran into the dark herself to hide which jewels in the dark are soonest spied unto her was he led or rather drawn by those white limbs which sparkled through the lawn the nearer that he came the more she fled and seeking refuge slipped into her bed whereon leander sitting thus began through numbing cold all feeble faint and wan if not for love yet love for pity's sake me in thy bed and maiden bosom take at least vouchsafe these arms some little room who hoping to embrace thee cheerly swum this head was beat with many a churlish billow and therefore let it rest upon thy pillow herewith affrighted hero shrunk away and in her lukewarm place leander lay whose lively heat like fire from heaven fet would animate gross clay and higher set the drooping thoughts of base declining souls than dreary mars carousing nectar bowls his hands he cast upon her like a snare she overcome with shame and sallow fear like chaste diana when actaean spied her being suddenly betrayed dived down to hide her and as her silver body downward went with both her hands she made the bed a tent and in her own mind thought herself secure or cast with dim and darksome coverture and now she lets him whisper in her ear flatter entreat promise protest and swear yet ever as he greedily essayed to touch those dainties she the harpy played and every limb did as a soldier stout defend the fort and keep the foeman out for though the rising ivory mount he scaled which is with azure circling lines impaled much like a globe a globe may i term this by which love sails to regions full of bliss yet there with sisyphus he toiled in vain till gentle parley did the truce obtain wherein leander on her quivering breast breathless spoke something and sighed out the rest which so prevailed as he with small ado enclosed her in his arms and kissed her too and every kiss to her was as a charm and to leander as a fresh alarm so that the truce was broke and she, alas, poor silly maiden, at his mercy was. Love is not full of pity, as men say, but deaf and cruel where he means to pray, even as a bird which in our hands we wring, forth plungeth and oft flutters with her wing, she trembling strove. This strife of hers, like that which made the world, another world begat of unknown joy. Treason was in her thought, and cunningly to yield herself she sought, seeming not one, yet one she was at length in such wars women used but half their strength leander now like theban hercules entered the orchard of the sparides whose fruit none rightly can describe but he that pulls or shakes it from the golden tree and now she wished this night were never done and sighed to think upon the approaching sun for much it grieved her that the bright daylight should know the pleasure of this blessed night and them like mars and erison display both in each other's arms chained as they lay again she knew not how to frame her look or speak to him who in a moment took that which so long so charily she kept and fain by stealth away she would have crept 
and to some corner secretly have gone, leaving Leander in the bed alone. But as her naked feet were whipping out, he on the sudden clinged her so about that, mermaid-like, under the floor she slid, one half appeared, the other half was hid. Thus near the bed she blushing stood upright, and from her countenance behold he might a kind of twilight break, which through the hair as from an orient cloud glimpsed here and there, and round about the chamber this false morn brought forth the day before the day was born. So hero's ruddy cheek hero betrayed, and her all naked to his sight displayed. Whence his admiring eyes more pleasure took than Dece on heaps of gold fixing his look. By this Apollo's golden harp began to sound forth music to the Oceane, which watchful Hesperus no sooner heard, but he the bright day-bearing car prepared and ran before as harbinger of light, and with his flaring beams mocked ugly night, till she, o'ercome with anguish, shame, and rage, dang down to hell her loathsome carriage. End of the Second Sestiate Recording by Thomas Copeland End of Hero and Leander by Christopher Marlowe